0: This is Sarah Bordeev, and you are listening to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. On this episode of PodSAM, we're continuing the conversation with year three of the summit series. This year, Sam welcomed 10 mentors and 10 mentees to the program to share in six conversations about the past, present, and future of the mountain resort industry. In this six-episode run, we'll be sharing these conversations here on PodSAM and in the pages of SAM Magazine. You can learn more at www.saminfo.com. On this episode, we talk management skills with Beth Howard, CEO of Vail Mountain, Colorado, Greg Goddard, now retired, but at the time of this call, he was general manager of Gunstock Mountain, New Hampshire, and Brian Heon, general manager of Wildcat Mountain, New Hampshire. Before we dive into the conversation, I have to give a special shout out to Tim Barnhorst and the team at Mountain Guard who have been sponsoring and supporting the Summit Series since year one, as well as Dr. Natalie Uwe and the Colorado State University Graduate Program in Ski Area Management who provide pre-call resources and activities to the mentees. If you listened to the Summit Series before, which you should, you know this audio is derived from actual conference calls, so there is the standard call interference, but it's totally worth it. With that, we'll hand it off to our facilitator, Paul Tollner, CEO and founder of High Peaks Group, to kick us off.
1: Welcome, everybody. We're, we've got a lot of really great questions from the mentees that we'll be inviting you to uh ask and the, for the mentors to answer, come up here in a second, but it, so that our mentees can uh, connect your voices to your names, I'd love for each of the mentors today to just uh, say your name, your, uh, your, your title, your organization you work for, and uh, let's see, uh, one, uh, I will do this traditional one, one thing that people might not know about you that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, besides karaoke, of course, or other sort of things that people can find out through other means. But one thing that you're good at that people might not know about you, we'll just go, we'll do a batting order. So we'll do Beth, Brian, and Greg for, the, for this, and then the first couple of questions, and I'll switch it up a little later. So, Beth, can you uh, just introduce yourself quickly?
2: Yes, yeah, thank you. Uh, Beth Howard, Chief Operating Officer of Vail Mountain with Vail Resorts. And something you, uh, I'm good at, I'm pretty good in the kitchen.
1: That's great. What do you, What's your specialty? Baking. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. You know, there's a British show about that. You it? <laughs> I watch most of them. <laughs> uh, excellent.
3: Uh, great, thanks. Uh, Brian? Yeah, my name is Brian Heon. I'm Vice President General Manager of Wildcat Mountain, uh, which is now part of the Bale family, so we're excited about that. Um, one thing is, I, I definitely love skiing, but my advice uh, is skiing in the summer, which is water skiing. I, uh, I love to water ski. Oh, excellent. Fantastic. Uh, Greg? Hi, Greg Goddard.
4: I'm the general manager at Gunstock Mountain Resort uh, in Guilford, New Hampshire. Beautiful Lake Winnipesaukee. And speaking of Lake Winnipesaukee, um, Although I am a winter and ski guy, my Zen place is actually underwater. I really, really love scuba diving, and it's, it's the, most, uh, the most peaceful I can ever get is underneath the water, looking at things that nobody
1: else can see from the surface. Wow, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that, that's great. So now that we've uh, kind of connected the voices and the names, Uh, we're going to lead off with a question from one of our mentees. So, Tom, why don't you go ahead and your question?
3: Hi, and thanks for having me, y'all. So, my question is about an early career experience. What was your first management role, and how did you prepare yourself for the challenge of leading a team when you may or may not have had limited experience managing a team in the past?
2: Uh, This staff, I'll I'll answer that. Great question. Uh, My first role, I was 21 years old and I was a supervisor and uh, still just right out of school, out of college. And I was overseeing off-premise catering for our company and had a little bit of uh, leadership experience, but not much. And I think thinking back on that, my approach was being very hands-on. Uh, leading by example. And then as I learned and mastered the skills, I was able to lead at a different level, but that uh, looking back, that's how I, how I began.
1: Beth, before we move on to Brian, like what, what was, uh, tell that first moment or that first management role, uh, what are some of the things that have stuck with you since then uh, in terms of either lessons or, you know, stories from that time?
2: I think uh, not being afraid to get be stretched and out of your comfort zone, which many times is that first role in leadership is exactly how you feel in the moment and, and really just being committed and open-minded about learning and, and converting those skills in a way that can help lead a team. And, uh, you know, that's stuck with me all these years where it's just, you know, get in there and really learn and, and lead and, and, uh, and know that you're growing through that experience.
3: Thanks, Brian. Yeah, like Beth, uh, one of my first roles was in a supervisory role uh, in our industry. And I think that um, it certainly was a learning and growing experience for me. Uh, one thing that I, I really liked to do was, was two things, is, is I kind of remember that role in grabbing on to a mentor, somebody who was senior to me. Um, it was somebody I connected with quite, you know, right off the bat at the resort that I was at. Um, and, and seeking that person out for advice, I think uh, certainly helped me out a bit um, on that regard, as well as seeking out other opportunities to learn, whether it was the resort or company that I was with, or outside um, in management, and continuing education.
1: That's great, Brian. Thanks. Is there um, like when you when you look back at that time, is there sort of like one kind of uh, you know sort of key phrase or key sort of, you know, uh, like if you were to write a bookmark, <laughs> or, you know, write on a bookmark and keep it with you all the time, uh, w- what would be the one big lesson from that early stage?
3: Well, I think I remember some, some turning points um, as I experienced uh, management and supervising people um, and I think um, making the best of, of those decisions that you are faced with. Um, for example, I remember once when I was a young supervisor, um, I, I made uh, a pretty immature decision at one point uh, in my early career. And I, I, in retrospect, looking back now 25 years, the decision I, how I, I treated that situation, um, I, I really think I had two paths to go. Um, I could have gotten mad at the situation um, or, or the company that, that, that told me I did something immature. Or really reflected back upon my actions, um, and and use that as something to kind of um, drive me to to make myself better. Um, so I think that you know turning points and in, in, in learning and learning from your mistakes is is a very important part of that. Yeah, that's that's really
1: interesting. They say you know leadership starts with self, right? So you know look you know, look inward first, and then outwards, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks for that. Uh, hey, Greg, uh, why don't you go ahead and share your your uh, story?
4: So, so, let me just start by saying, making me go back 45 years for stories in my <laughs> early career is a little unfair, but uh, um, I actually, um, uh, my very first management role was running a bar in a very, very busy seasonal restaurant, and I think similar to Brian's story, I was very blessed that I found a mentor right off the bat. He was actually one of the owners of the restaurant, uh, and he's been a mentor to me literally to this day. And uh, he, he and his team led by example and taught us uh, all. We were we were a very young group: the kitchen manager, the dining room manager, and and me. Um, about how to conduct ourselves and the difference between leading and managing and those sorts of things and and so really i just tried to follow all of those examples whenever i could Um, and it was made very plain to us that it was you know in our role it wasn't about um you know, making a schedule or doing the liquor inventory or buying fruit or any of those sorts of things. It was about creating uh, an experience and a culture that was going to bring people back to our restaurant again and again and again. And that was really what it was all about. And uh, it, that introductory role, I think, really set me up for success, you know, beyond that through my whole career.
1: That's really interesting. What, what, what was it about that, you um, that experience that caused that passion to stick? You know, like a lot of people can come into those roles. and It, know, because,
4: it was it because out. it was all about creating the experience. Um, you know, mm-hmm. as the, this group was very uh, guest focused and, you know, the the nuts and bolts of the job was just that. It was just, you know, the nuts and bolts, but that wasn't really what it was all about. We We had meetings on a weekly basis, you know, where we went over. Um, you know what we were going to to do. You know, new and different. Talking about you know what people liked and didn't like in the menu and in the entertainment experience and all those sorts of things. So it really became um, our focus was all about the guest experience, and that's something that I've never forgotten.
1: That's great. Well appreciate that. Thanks a lot, Greg. Um, so we have a question from uh, Mark Adamchek from Winter Park. Colorado.
3: Uh, uh, Mark, can you uh, share your question? Thanks, Paul. Uh, yeah, my question is, uh, when stepping into a new management role, um, that new manager is often met with a, a lot of pressure to say yes, sort of everything that comes along person, challenge, opportunity. And I'm interested in a specific time uh, in your guys's careers when a disciplined and thoughtful no in the face of pressure to get to yes. Uh, prove valuable to your team and to uh, establishing yourself as that new leader.
2: That's a that's a terrific question. I'm trying to think of a specific moment in time. There's probably been several, but I I, I do know what I've learned um, over time in these roles is that there are so many there are so many demands on your time on any given day, and being able to give the thoughtful no so you can say yes to other things that are more meaningful is a real uh, trick and skill and i think being able to give the thoughtful no uh, is really being respectful um in how you do it and having the credibility to do so and early on as a leader it's not it's um uh, it's not that easy to do because perhaps you just haven't established yourself at that point so it's uh i can't point to anything specifically to the question but i i understand that that is that is real and um, I think all those things go into, you know, saying no to things you can say yes to other more, more compelling items.
3: I agree with that too. And I'm, I'm racking my brain to think of a specific example, but I think that, um, you know, sometimes as supervisors or managers, we, we have, um, other factors that, that are at our disposal to make decisions that may not be, uh, available to, to the people that it affects. Um, and that's often. The case at, at the supervisory level uh, and whatever level of management you're at. Um, so I think you know there's importantness there to um, to understand that um, and to find a way to um, breach that with the employees. When I first started in the ski industry I was in lift operations um, and I was put into a more of a, a leadership role because of some of my past experience but it wasn't in lift operations um, so it was very interesting to have, uh, in, in my situation, to be at a supervisory level, but have a lot of people that worked or looked at, up to me for leadership that knew a lot more about the role that I was helping them succeed in. Um, so I think, you know, in that situation, there's a lot of give and take, um, and there can be a lot of learning from, from both sides. That's great, Brian. Thanks greg
4: yeah i got a. I really struggled with this one too i i'm i'm having a difficult time thinking of a of a specific example that i can give you but uh i i think that um something that might be closely correlated is um uh, when we were getting into summer operations here in a pretty big way uh, the floodgates immediately opened of people that had great ideas that they had done for summer recreation, you know, whether it's frisbee golf or horseback riding or, um, you know, the, the, any myriad of other things like that. And we, had, we meaning the, the, the senior management team, uh, had developed a pretty comprehensive plan of what we did and didn't want to be. Um, and so we had to do a lot of communication with people that while their suggestion was perhaps a really good idea and might work, it just was not in our current plan. And so I guess the, you know, to me, the lesson there is is the the over-communication of letting them know that their idea might not be a bad one, uh, but that it doesn't necessarily fit in with, you know, sort of the vision that you're you're working on. I know that's probably a bad example from a you know a, a new supervisor or a manager, um, but certainly that that notion of of explaining and uh, giving solid reasons why you're saying no sometimes can take the sting out of it a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you're um, when you're working with folks who you know last season were your peers and now you may be their supervisor. It's a little challenging to. You do need to back up what you say with some example or some evidence so that it doesn't feel arbitrary, right? Yeah. Um, so, this sort of leads to a really interesting question about um, you know, we talk about uh, management and management skills and what it means to be an effective manager and things. And um, I, I, I'm kind of curious to hear your perspective about what, what skills are needed in order to be an effective manager? Or how do you even define what effective is as, as, as a manager? Uh, when you when you look around and see that ones that seem to separate themselves from the average uh, managers, what are those things that you notice? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll take this in a we'll switch up the batting order a little bit. We'll go Brian, Craig, and Beth. Um, so uh, Brian, what do you think?
3: Um, yeah. I- I really kind of thought about this and it was nice to have a few of these questions ahead of time to kind of really reflect back on. Um, and I, I thought about an effective manager is is really 70 plus percent of it is is being a leader. Um, I think there's, you know, definitely a, a difference between um, being a leader and a manager. There was one saying that, I don't know, I think it was Peter Drucker. It's it just, it stuck with me for a little bit that, Um, management is is knowing what to do and leadership is knowing how to get it done Um, I don't want to sit here and quote scripture and sound cliche but I for some reason that that has really stuck with me Um, and I think it might have to do with a little bit um, of just my personality and 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 how I like to be perceived as an effective leader Um, but I think that um, you know the management part of it is 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 the action and the leadership is, is how to get that done. And I think that I really rely on um, a lot of managers that work with me to be the experts um, in their field, whether it's snowmaking or lifts or food and beverage. Um, and they're the ones that are really managing the process um, with me just helping to, to lead them to success. Um, so I think that, you know, the days of of being this manager with all of the answers. I think is certainly a thing of the past, especially in the diversity of our industry where it's everything from chairlifts to snowmaking pressures and how to move water effectively and, and you know, the temperature of foods in your kitchen. There's just so much out there that um, you know, managers cannot be the know-it-all, but um, looking to, to really create a team where those people feel empowered to give advice Um, that just potentially need some help to kind of get that uh, into effect or kind of over the finish line?
4: I think probably the most important thing is is time and priority management for me. Um, You know, I think Beth said it. There's so many demands on your day uh, over, you know, over the course of any given day. And depending on the season, your priorities are going to change um, you know, when you're getting ready for the ski season, obviously it's all about snowmaking and systems and getting your buildings ready and all of those sorts of things. Uh, so you perhaps are going to give a little more time to that. So knowing, you know, when to shift gears and to change priorities, I think is is key to being effective over the long haul. Um, listening skills, I think, are imperative. Um, Brian kind of touched on that a little bit um, you know, understanding that there are experts in your industry that are not you, that are, um, going to need to be performing to make sure that the entire mission is being accomplished. Um, and that brings me, I guess, to the, well, my next to the last one is trusting, uh, that they're going to, that they're going to do that for you and having the trust that you've got people that know how to do their job and then having the courage to, uh, uh, do something about it if they betray your trust. Um, and then I guess my last one would be um, to make sure that you're constantly sharing your vision so that people understand why you and the company are doing the things you're doing.
2: Yes, I'll uh, I'll add to those great comments. Uh, I would say, I say effective. In the end, it's all about you know getting the the outcomes and results that you want. You set out. To do, and I think making sure that we're bringing the team along in that effort uh, is truly when you can measure uh, or differentiate a manager, an effective or non effective manager. And so many skill sets come into being able to do that. And that, I think you just mentioned the why. That's uh, when people understand why they may not necessarily agree with the decision, but at least if they have context, that can help them bring them on board and, and get to the end goal. So uh, that's all I would add to what the others said.
0: The Podsam conversation continues after we thank Podsam and Summit Series partner, Mountain Guard. How many skier visits are you doing? 5,000? 5, 5 million? I'm going to guess it's probably somewhere in between. Specializing exclusively in insuring the ski industry since 1962, Mountain Guard has become the largest rider of ski resort insurance in North America. No matter your size, your resort needs the expertise and experience that Mountain Guard can provide. Click over to mountainguard.com, where you'll be able to make quick contact with their Eastern or Western experts. Customers know them as Tim Barnhorst, Tim Hendrickson, and Bo Adams. www.mountainguard.com.
1: It's really interesting when you think about the difference between leadership and management. Let's circle back on that a little bit and take it in the same order as as what we we just did. Um, So, I I know you, uh, Brian. You had a little kind of snippet definition. I don't. It may have been Peter Drucker. Uh, We'll we'll go with that for sure. (laughs) Um, But when you think about the difference between leadership and management, um, you know there are aspects of each that kind of overlap each other. But where, uh, where, how do you define them for your for your teams, and how do you help them, you know, see their management role as a leader, leadership role? and uh, like, how do you help them kind of step into that? Um, Brian, why don't you take take a first card? This is kind of off the off script a little bit, but I would love to hear.
3: Yeah, you're throwing me off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. Um, no, I you know I, I kind of go back and I think of um, you know management is 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 a process um, of dealing with something or or controlling things, um, and then I think of the leadership part of that as being the action that we're, as the, the action that is going to be used um, to deal with that process. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. It sounds, yeah. That sounds great. And I think these are things that we, we, we kind of talk about, um, you know, when, when the, the senior team gets together. And um, I, I think it's super helpful to talk through this a little bit and, you know, use some, some real life examples so that, you know, it it can not just sound like, you know, management 101, but it can certainly like hit home a little harder.
4: I'll use an example. Um, I'm the, let's say I'm the rental shop manager. Um, My management of the rental shop would include uh, leading all of the processes or, or creating the processes for getting rental equipment to a guest. So I'm going to create a process to get them signed in, get their waiver signed and then move them over to the boot counter and get their boots fitted and then tech their skis and blah, blah, blah. Um, But my leadership role as the manager of the rental shop would be to try and get my team to understand what's in the head of the person that's coming to rent those skis. And Help them with their apprehension. Help them with their irritation that they're standing in a long line. Uh, help them understand why it's important that their boots are fitting and how to coach them through knowing whether they're even on the right feet or, or you know, fitting properly. Um, and having um, dialogue with my team about uh, making sure that we're, you know, asking people when they bring their equipment back in. Um, how their day was. And even and if it was bad, maybe trying to do some kind of a makeup, if it was good, congratulate them and welcome them back the next time. You know, so the, those first things are what are the management duties of a rental shop manager. Those last examples are something that a good leader of a rental operation would bring to the table for their team and their guests.
2: Yes. I, I, I always look upon management leadership going hand in hand. There very difficult to separate out because of the demands on anyone's given day. It's that ebb and flow. And I've always looked at management more on the administrative side of just getting things done and being really effective in just logistics and communications, calendars, all those things. And uh, you really can't escape that. Uh, And then the leadership side has always blended in with more of the inspirational side, making sure we're aligned around the vision and purpose on what we're doing and keeping the most meaningful work prioritized, and not um, letting other things come in the way of that. And I think the other commitment as a leader is just really being um, being thoughtful about how we're developing our leadership under us into high potential um, leaders. And I, so I think they go hand in hand. It's uh, they're both incredibly important. Uh, being a, a great manager and leader and uh, hitting that right uh, pace with both of those on any given day is, is, is
1: important. Thanks a lot, Beth. Um, Sarah's gonna uh, pose a question, the next question, on behalf of Nicole Gebbert from Towski Valley in New Mexico. Uh, Sarah, and we'll, we'll take this Brian, Greg, Beth, one more time and, uh, for the responses, but Sarah, can you uh, share Nicole's question?
0: Thanks, Paul. Um, So I think we all know that a guest who has a bad experience has a pretty significant ripple effect, and the same can be said of employees who have had poor experiences with previous managers. How do you establish the basis of trust with an employee who's had a bad experience with a supervisor or manager?
3: Um, I think the first Part of that is is to recognize um, recognize that that you're in that situation that you, that you're dealing with a staff member who has previously not had a good experience, um, you know, with with a past supervisor. I think um, to kind of talk about what that experience was is a good part of that process. Um, it's also obviously a bad situation, but I think you know, ask were there any positive um, interactions. That came out, you know, with that supervisor in the past, um, and I think to then to say, all right, well, what do we want out of this relationship, or or how can we move forward and leave that in the, behind us, um, taking some wins and losses, um, discussing what that will be, outlining some new goals um, that you'd want moving forward, uh, and then to, to talk about that often. I think that um, you know, talking about that bad past experience. Um, in ways that we don't want that to reoccur, it uh, really helps to move forward.
4: Yeah, I really can't add anything to that. I think Brian hit it right on the head. It, it, it's, it's a process of, of open communication, uh, asking permission from that employee to, to reset and to, to uh, start fresh, and then consistently monitor to make sure that that is in fact happening.
2: Right. Excellent points. And uh, just a little bit to add, you know, I think, as Brian said, acknowledge right off uh, right out of the initial relationship of the situation. So you can at least get a a foundation for a a working relationship. I think if you don't have that foundation of trust, it's pretty difficult to even take the next step. And I think for an employee who may have had a bad situation, uh, just making sure that when you do lead that individual that, you know, you do what you say you're going to do. and you're very consistent in the approach and and you're earning that trust along the way.
1: That's great. Yeah, one one thing I learned was that trust uh, from from some of my leadership and and organizational development professors and things was talking about trust, was that trust is an outcome of a relationship. You can't legislate it, you can't demand it, you can't, you know, request it. You just have to, uh, you know, behave in a way that creates the condition for the other person to trust you so in order to create trust you have to be trustworthy um, so I think that's the that's the you know it is a definitely a two-way street uh, in, uh, for for the employee whose trust has been kind of uh, eroded uh, but they need to see that leader uh, being trustworthy that, that helps a big in a big way uh, so we'll for the next round of questions we'll Switch up the order a little bit, so we'll go Greg, Beth, Brian for the city's next, for the last couple here. And the next question comes from Joey Carey at Killington in Vermont.
3: Joey, yeah, hi, thanks. Um, you know, I'm just looking for some examples of how you might deal with some um, personality friction on people within your team who might not necessarily get along.
4: Uh, This is Greg. I think that that, the answer is very similar to the answer of the the last question. Um, Those are the kinds of things that aren't going to go away on their own. And so you need to have the courage to get those people together, talk about it openly, um, see if you can negotiate some um, rules of engagement for those people. Um, You might even find that they've got more in common than... You think they do. You may find that there's just some specific um, incident that somebody got mad about that hadn't been addressed. Uh, but it's really about communication. Then it's also about setting boundaries uh, so that they understand that they don't have to like each other, but that you, as their supervisor or leader, are not going to tolerate their <clears throat> their behaviors or their actions interrupting the work.
1: Thanks, Greg. Best.
2: Yes, I think it's it can be one of the most challenging situations that we deal with. And I think, um, you know, it, it, the comments are well, well presented before me. And I think when I've dealt with it, it's really getting the parties who are having this uh, tension and sitting down and getting everything out on the table and talking about it, you know, with, with uh, uh, coming from a place of positive intent that we want to find a place going forward. Um, be very candid uh, candid in those discussions and then really uh resetting and, and foundationally getting everyone on the same page on expectations as we go forward so you can hold the hold the group um accountable if if those clashes continue.
3: Yeah this is Brian I, I agree with all that and I think one of the hardest things about this topic is that a lot of times when you have some some strong managers and they each have their own personality and you have that that conflict, it's, it's hard to change someone's personality. So I think that these um, events can, can cycle through and continue to come back. Um, you know, this is a, this time of year is a perfect example for that, where resorts are trying to get open. Uh, snowmaking guys are working 24-7. lifts guys are pushing to get stuff done. Um, kitchen staff is looking to, to, to get their areas prepped and ready. And this is when, you know, true emotion and, and your personality really comes out um so i think that you know these are the times where you we need to remind ourselves that you know we do have these conflicts um we're not changing each other's personalities because that's we don't want that but we need to remind each other to you know work with those personalities uh, and respect them
1: yeah that's really interesting you know there's uh uh, there's so many personality assessments out there in the world uh that, that people can take and i think that you know one of the beliefs is that when you take one you can change it like you get some data back and then you can theoretically change it but you know a lot of research says you you, you don't actually change your personality uh, but when when you're in under stress you know uh, you can, you are kind of you know all of the kind of uh, uh, you know emotions do tend to come out a little bit sooner quicker your emotional self-regulation is a little bit uh, worn thin and and that stuff does pop out so the key to resilience actually is, you know, is, is finding time to kind of recharge your batteries in whatever way that makes sense for, for folks, whether it's, you know, for some it's sleep, for some it's, you know, you know, just, you know, taking a time out or whatever it is. But, you know, being aware of that as a manager is really important so that you can, you know, almost see some of this stuff bubbling underneath the surface before it pops out and just giving people an opportunity to kind of even take 15 seconds to just chill out and, and before it boils over is, is a good you know uh, tuning thing you can do as a, a manager and you can practice that this season uh, with with your teams um okay so w- let's move to the next question from uh, alex uh, alex drew at sunday river in maine uh, alex can you uh, share your question and we'll stick with that same order greg best brian
2: yeah absolutely um I just um, logged out of my computer, so give me one sec. Does anyone want to go in the meantime while I re-pull it up? Oh, wait, I got it. Sure. My bad. got it? Okay. Yeah, sorry, everyone. Um, What strategies do you use to ensure that frontline employees and your coworkers feel heard? Do you make it easy for all employees to bring ideas forward, and what do you do with an idea after it is brought up? Um, I'm asking this because in my role, I often feel like I bring ideas to the table, and it's like, okay, thanks. Like, and there's, I don't get any feedback whether it was good or bad or a yes or a no. And it's like, so I'm wondering what you all do.
4: Yeah, that's a great question, Alex. Um, and I, I understand that it can, it can be frustrating to not, to not get the feedback. Um, you know, we do a few things to try and, and, uh, uh, make sure that that people are being heard and, and, uh, I don't know if you if you looked at the um, the little video that sky folks did um, about what they're doing with their weekly employee surveys um, we don't do it weekly but we do do regular climate surveys uh, where' we're, where we ask literally everybody in the company you know how they're feeling about their job their training their manager their supervisor uh, the the direction of the scene the their direction and their confidence in the the senior team and the vision of the resort as a whole. Um, and we compile all of those and and then share them back with the staff, including an action item list of things that we're going to do. Um, and we try our best to keep that dialogue you know, going on, a, on an ongoing basis. Um, another little thing that I do personally, uh, when we have staff meetings, uh, I will do a um, an ask the manager session where I let people Write things on a little piece of paper and put it in a jar, and then I just pull them out of the jar at random and promise the group before I start that there won't be any question that I won't answer. Um, and it's been very entertaining over the years. some of the curveballs that I've gotten that I've had to respond to on the spot. but I think it, if nothing else, it demonstrates that uh, you know the top guy in the organization is willing to listen to what people have to say. And uh, and is is committed to take action on it, um, you know, whenever I can. It, it's really hard because there are so many great ideas, and and you know, as we've said a few times, there's there's only so many hours in the day. And um, I, I guess again, my only suggestion to you would be, uh, don't be afraid to keep those ideas coming, and and maybe even follow up and say, hey, uh, just curious, you know, I gave you that idea a month ago, I haven't heard anything. Have you given it any more thought? Um, and you know put them on the spot to give you an answer one way or the other if they think it's a stupid idea they owe you the courtesy of telling you so
1: Hmm. thanks so much Greg appreciate that
2: yeah great question Alex I think uh, I think first and foremost setting a culture of where feedback is a part of how we work together and and that is certainly a a culture we have here uh, with Dale resorts and for the frontline employees I think the most important thing is if they pitch an idea to you, whether you're going through the maze or you're, uh, they send you an email or text or something, that always listen and always follow up. Whether it's you following up or someone on your team, but always follow up. And the answer may be yes, no, or future, uh, and giving the why behind that response. And I think that builds credibility and trust that we're listening. We're, we may not be able to do um, act on every idea that comes forth, but at least we're we're open to it. And uh, I think that's been my experience is an effective approach.
3: Yeah, this is Brian. I, I agree with with all of that. I think there are no not not much really to add. But I think that one thing personally that I've been working on is is listening. But being an active listener and really talking through it and finding the time to talk through that uh, when the idea is fresh in the employee's uh, mind, you know, they brought it up for a reason. They've been thinking about it for a while. And that's when I try to, you know, put my phone aside, not type, look them in the eye, ask questions at that point in time, because I think that that's um, when the idea is fresh, when they put a lot of thought into that um, and not to let it kind of, go on for a long period of time. So having that follow-up and that interaction and engaging right out of the bat, I think that's when you get the best results.
0: We'll be right back after we thank PodSAM sponsor, Mountain Travel Symposium. Join over 1,000 industry professionals in Squaw Valley, California, March 29th through April 4th at Mountain Travel Symposium. MTS includes one-on-one meetings, educational content, networking, and time on the mountain. The Young Leaders Summit at MTS is a one-day program for professionals under 35 who are dedicated to growing their careers and building industry knowledge. Visit www.mtntrvl.com to apply for the Young Leaders Summit or register for MTS, www.mtntrvl.com.
1: So next we have a question from Stephen Remillard from Mammoth Mountain in California. Steven, go ahead with your question. Morning, everyone. My question is about recognition. Um, Outside or in a previous career or previous employment outside the ski industry, um, one of the jobs I worked for, they did something really cool and creative. It was like after a year of um, employment, they did something where they would basically ask you to choose a, a jersey of some sort and then they would get your name printed on it. And then we would have like a, uh, a Jersey retirement ceremony. So one, the question I had was, um, can you guys give us a few examples of um, some creative ways that your organization recognizes employees for going above and beyond and some hard work that you noticed?
4: <clears throat> well, probably the most important and effective one that we have is a program we call Peak Performers. Uh, and basically, they're just little recognition cards, uh, but they have a value attached to them uh, of anywhere. They they used to be scratch cards, but with our new uh, point of sale, we can't do scratch cards anymore. So we had actually had to monetize them. But um, they've got a value on, of, of anywhere from, I think it's 5 to $20 or something like that. Um, but it's an opportunity, you know, kind of on the spot to catch somebody doing something right and give them some recognition for it, you know, through a, a cash award that they can use for food or merchandise or whatever all else. And uh, I wasn't so sure that it was going to be something that was accepted, you know, universally, uh, but I can tell you that we give out hundreds and hundreds of them over the course uh, of the year, in fact, I think we budget somewhere in the mid five figures for the uh, for the redemption of them and it's not so much the monetary value of them, it's the personalized message of you know hey, great job with you know that was the best snow shoveling I ever saw or you know thanks for staying late and helping with this particular project. I can tell you that as the GM one of my happiest times is when I find one that somebody has given me in my mailbox for, you know, helping out with, with a project or something like that. And, You know, I think whether you use that, that as an example or not, something that's specific, something that's um, kind of instant recognition uh, and something that's, uh, you know, sustained company-wide over a long period of time is, is uh, uh, a good way to
1: do it.
2: Yeah, I'll chime in. It's um, I look at recognition from my experience. It takes all forms, and it can be as small as a uh, in-person thank you and recognition for what you just saw and the behavior you'd love to see them continue. From text to emails to uh, the ultimate handwritten note, which don't <laughs> doesn't happen very often. And I think don't underestimate the power of those kind of micro moments that we can recognize uh, the behaviors we we like to see out there. Uh, we have more formalized programs as well, so uh for those who really go above and beyond for the guest experience we have our our uh, branded program is epic service and we have breakfast and um, and you know all types of things we can give them and recognize for that and and I host those typically so um I like the on spot recognition I just heard about uh we do that as well we do it with a little card with a It's like a poker chip, but it becomes something that our seasonal employees can take home as a souvenir. It's really really nice, but it has a value. So they can uh, put it into a drawing each month or get a free meal. So I think it's a a full spectrum and how you can recognize your employees. But I think that having kind of a multifaceted approach to recognition really plays into your overall culture as well.
3: This is Brian i I agree with that. Uh, we have some similar kind of more on the spot recognitions that staff at at all levels can use um, and those are turned in and there has to be a reason it's not just like here's five dollars it's a high five program we call it um, but not just here's here's a little money to spend on lunch or whatever you decide, but I think you know the reason behind it um, is 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 why you're doing it and um, so our card is something that is a two part card you give the staff member that you'd like to recognize, one part of it called the high five, but the other part needs to be turned in and there needs to be a reason for that. Uh, and we take those reasons and at our senior leadership meeting every week, we discuss those and we talk about, you know, who's giving out these uh, high fives and why are they giving them? And it's, it's that's kind of fun. I think we enjoy seeing um, why staff members are giving each other um, a high five. Um, another thing that we've used before, too, is uh, I thought about the years of service. We do a dinner, a uh, years of service dinner on an annual basis, um, and it's kind of fun to really see uh, all those folks come together, whether it's your five-year or your 45th year with the company. Um, you know, there's there's different levels of, of recognition within that, but it's fun to get those people together just to celebrate uh, their seniority within the company.
1: Thanks, Brian. Um, so, we're going to return to our original batting order, Beth, Brian, Greg, for two final questions here uh, to, to take us home. Uh, so, and these are, uh, this is just sort of a really interesting off the cuff uh, question for, for, you, for you three mentors. So, what common mistakes do you see first time or early career managers make?
2: I would say uh, early in their career, thinking that they have to be an expert at everything in order to effectively lead. And I think in many ways, when you're early into leadership, that's a bit of your, uh, your skill, your brain that you can do anything and you're an expert in everything. And as you progress as a leader, you become more of a generalist and less of a specialist. And I think uh, I remember feeling that when I first went into a leadership role that I felt I needed to know everything about everything and be an expert. And, uh, and I think letting go of that uh, would be my advice as an early leader not to trip up on that piece.
1: Brian, what do you see out there.
3: Um, after my first year of being a supervisor. I, I looked back. I remember looking back and saying, I wished I, I wish I had reached out to a mentor sooner than I did um, just because I felt that, you know, some of looking back, some of the decisions I made would have, like Beth said, you know, I didn't have the knowledge to make those decisions about the operation or maybe it was immature, but I think, um, you know, having a mentor right off the bat is, is pretty important. Uh, And it it really is something that I think that um, I had a little bit earlier in my career. And I think that it can be really effective right out of the bat.
1: Can I can I just uh, follow up with you real quick? But when it comes to like things that you see, um, uh, first time or early career uh, supervisors, uh, not not having a mentor, not taking advantage of mentorship, is, is, is am I catching what you're saying properly? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks, uh, Greg. How about you, Willie? You
4: among first. I, I think um, similar to to what Beth was talking about, um, not only um, trying to portray that you, that, you know, everything or, um, thinking that you need to know everything. Uh, I see managers early in their career sometime being a little too aggressive at trying to actually, uh, set the, the workflow and what people are going to do and when they're going to do it. Um, we just had a new manager that, that started and it was on the off side of things and, uh, um, he, he uh, immediately started making the to-do lists and giving people the instructions of the things that they needed to be done and, and that he thought needed to be done. And what he was forgetting was that these people already have a great deal of, of uh, work on their plates and they've prioritized that work for a reason. And without giving them the opportunity to, to talk about that, uh, it created a lot of anxiety, and I actually had people, you know, that came to me and said, "This guy is driving me crazy. I'm trying to get my work done, and he's not listening to, you know, my my needs, and is trying to set the agenda for everything I do." And, you know, I, I thought you hired me to manage my department. I don't, you know, I don't need to have another manager telling me how to do my job.
1: Uh, the last question here is, okay, so we have a group of mentees on the line here. And now is your, your chance, mentors, to uh, share one wish you have for these mentees as they sort of you know, progress along their career in the ski industry and uh, you know, uh, you know, take their place in, in, in the leadership ranks going forward. So what's one wish you have for these uh, mentees? Beth?
2: My wish for all of you. Let's see, I think it's been said many times here on this call, make sure you find a great mentor this early into your leadership journey. Um, make, don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone and stretch and really learn about all facets of the ski business. So you may not realize that you have a passion for that now, but, but you could very well develop a new passion and follow that because there's nothing better than to be able to work in a role where you just absolutely love what you do and uh, bring everyone along with you so that would be my my one wish for all of you
1: thanks so much
3: Pat. my one wish is to uh just remember to be open-minded i think as i look back i think um i started in in the ski industry and the chairlift side which is still one of my true passions but just being open-minded and learning from all of the different departments i've worked for um, and what, what they've taught me about different areas of our business. I think without being open-minded and, and willing to learn from others, whether they w- are peers, uh, somebody who works for you. Um, I think that is, is one thing I wish is your open-mindedness and your willingness to learn. Thanks am adding cleanup, Greg. Um, I'm going to quote something that's not mine, but
4: I found it while I was, uh, um, doing some research on this, I think it came from Forbes magazine. Uh, and but before I, I give that quote, um, I guess my wish is that everybody understand uh, that you're in charge of your life and you're in charge of your career. Um, you may only be at a supervisory level, you might not even be at a supervisory level, but you know where you go and and uh, the the choices that you make are yours and yours alone. Uh, and that the quote is that uh, everyone is the CEO of his or her career. So just remember that that when it comes to to your career and to your path through your work life, uh, you're the person that's in charge. So your success or failure has to do with you know what you want and what you put into it.
0: That wraps up this discussion on management skills. Do you have someone on your team who could benefit from listening in? Do them a favor, grab their phone and subscribe them to PodSAM wherever they get podcasts. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The PodSAM advisor is Alec Kaufman, the Winter Mix podcast guy. I am Sarah Bordeev and thank you for listening to PodSAM.